Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habits of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, where my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Pau Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. A fantastic guest lined up for you this week. We've been working on this one for quite a while. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. Silver is approaching his 10-year anniversary of being NBA Commissioner. He succeeded David Stern, who was NBA Commissioner for 30 years on February 1st, 2014. This is the first time I've had Adam Silver on Sports Business Radio. I sat with him on stage at our Sports PR Summit event in New York back in 2017, but it's great to get him on Sports Business Radio. I get the commissioner's thoughts on the inaugural in-season tournament, what he is looking for in the next NBA media rights deal, what issues are keeping him up at night right now. We discussed the ownership situations in Dallas with the Mavericks and Portland with the Trailblazers. And Silver shares some of the biggest lessons that he learned from late NBA commissioner David Stern. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. How are you? I'm great. And uh, yeah, wonderful guest. I can't believe it's been almost 10 years since he's uh, been commissioner. That seems crazy. It's just uh, flown by. But he he is such an eloquent speaker, great answers, just knows his stuff. I love how just well-versed he is in his product. You know, he just, he knows the NBA. He knows how to answer questions. He has some great insight on your questions too. So Fun to have him on today. Well, and look, this move with the in-season tournament, it was a bold move by the NBA. It's no secret that at the beginning of the NBA season, interest isn't what they wanted it to be. You've got college football, you've got NFL, um, and this has really boosted interest in the NBA. I'm going to give you an example. This November, so last month, the Best attendance in NBA history for a November ever. So the proof is in the pudding, right? Like fans are going to games. They love these new courts. They love the uniforms. The players have bought into it. I mean, if you've watched these games, these knockout games, and you see who's trying to get to the semifinals and the finals, as we record this, the Pacers and the Pelicans have advanced to Las Vegas for the semifinals on December 7th, the finals are on December 9th. But let me give you a few nuggets about the NBA in-season tournament. The winning team players will get half a million dollars each. So if you're the 10th or 11th or 12th guy on the bench, half a million dollars is very meaningful to you. 
the runner-up team will get $200,000 per player. The losing players of the semifinals are going to get $100,000 each, and the losing players of the quarterfinals will get $50,000 each. A few other things to pay attention to. Um, The games on December 7th and 9th, will be on ESPN and TNT, the semifinals on December 7th. This is going to be cool, and I talk about this with Commissioner Silver. It's a crossover with ESPN and TNT. So uh, you're going to have a studio of Ernie, Charles, Jack, Kenny, joined by Stephen A. Smith and Michael Wilbon. You're going to see a mixture of ESPN and TNT announcers calling the semifinal games. Uh, the finals on December 9th is going to be on ABC, and that'll be straight ABC coverage, ABC ESPN. But uh, there's just a, a March Madness type of feel to these games. And I know, as we'll hear Commissioner Silver talk, the biggest uh, thing that they needed to make this tournament a success was the buy-in of the players and the coaches. Because if they were just going through the motions and going, eh, you know, it's just another game, then this wasn't going to work. But boy, have they bought into this. And I mean, I watched the Indiana-Boston Celtics game, and Indiana looked like they just won game seven of the NBA Finals. Those guys were jumping around, and fans were rushing onto the court. I mean, it was crazy scene. And the Pelicans, also a young team. So the two teams that are in so far, Griggs, young teams, they haven't won an NBA championship. This is meaningful to them, and and maybe it's the next step in the development of those teams. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing you mentioned. That that Boston-Indiana game was nuts. It was like a Game 7. The crowd was standing the whole fourth quarter. I mean, it was you haven't seen an Indiana crowd like that in years. I mean, it was fun to see, and I think you're right. The players have bought into it. The fans have bought into it. We're seeing it in the ratings, and it's just fun to watch. I'm looking forward to the finals coming up. Yeah. So, all right, lots more on the NBA coming up with Adam Silver in our next segment. A few other headlines of the week. Griggs, the college football playoff. Boy, some controversy around that. The final four teams are in. Michigan is number one. Washington, number two. Texas, number three. Alabama, number four. Number five, undefeated Florida State, 13-0. and 0. There's, there's so many things we could discuss here, and We'll discuss it in more detail next week when I have SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey on this show as part of the Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo. What a timely conversation with Sankey. But, you know, let's not pretend ourselves here. The SEC and ESPN have a new relationship starting next year. I had a lot of people tell me before this uh, Final Four came out, oh, the SEC is going to get left out for the first time. And I said, there is not a chance that the SEC is going to be left out because of that relationship with ESPN. Because anyone listening to this should remember, this is TV show first and foremost, right? And you've got four major brands in Michigan, Washington, Alabama, and Texas. Those are big, big brands. They're going to draw TV interest. The fans are going to travel to the games. And the likelihood of a blowout like we saw Georgia and TCU in the championship earlier this year is pretty slim. If you put Florida State in there with a third string quarterback, the chance of a route 
goes up. Now, I'm not saying it's right what happened to Florida State because they went undefeated. They beat everyone they played. They come from a Power 5 conference. But look, when you have four slots and you have five Power 5 conferences, someone's going to be left out. And in this case, it was the ACC. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how this all develops. But Griggs, the Final Four is set, and those games are going to be played on January 1st. And they're on ESPN, and I'm sure ESPN is very happy about those matchups. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's for big schools, like you said, big brands, big markets, big fan bases that travel well. It'll be fun to see the games. I think they'll be great games. Um, it's just funny. You, you see Bama kind of hanging out, you know, number 11 all season, number 8, number 9, number 10. And sure enough, Saban and his crew figures out a way to win the big games and get in the Final Four. They just have a way of winning, so... That'll be fun to see them play. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. I mean, it's college football. This is a good time of year. You got a lot of fun stuff going sports-wise and, uh, you know, college football ramping up and closing down, but it's going to be fun to see these uh, bowl games. And again, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey is my scheduled guest as part of the Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo on our December 12th show. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. There's nothing common about you. Now your talent, your drive, your achievements, or even your challenges. You need distinctive financial strategies that match your lifestyle and career trajectory. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment was created to address your specific needs at every stage of your career and deliver the financial education and strategies you need to help advance your game plan. They speak the language. They know your business. Morgan Stanley will work with you to achieve your goals. I've trusted Morgan Stanley with my personal wealth management for almost 20 years. Visit Morgan Stanley at morganstanley.com backslash GSE. That's morganstanley.com backslash GSE. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. All right. Everyone is on Shohei Otani Watch, the superstar hitter and pitcher, the modern-day Babe Ruth of the Angels. He's a free agent. And everyone's saying that he's going to sign a contract that will break the record for the highest contract in North American sports history that's currently held by Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs, $503 million. People are saying Otani's going to get between $500 and $600 million. Um, last year at the Winter League meetings, $3.53 billion worth of contracts were signed. If this one goes for five to six hundred million dollars just by itself, <laughs> we're pretty much assured that that three point five three billion dollar figure is going to be top. So, you know, Major League Baseball has its issues with loss of TV revenue from the demise of the regional sports networks and other places. But Shohei Otani is a generational player. And what I've said for a year on this show, is whoever signs Otani, you have to look at him as a marketing tool. This is a global superstar, just like we heard Peter Fagan talk a few weeks ago uh, from the Milwaukee Bucks, the president of the Bucks, how they market Giannis globally. They market Damian Lillard globally. That's what you have to do with Otani. You should be marketing him globally, getting sponsors from around the world. You should become the face of your franchise. Frankly, I think the Angels did a very poor job of marketing Otani, 
and maximizing his value and merchandise sales and everything that comes with the business of Shohei Otani. So whatever team signs him, if you market him correctly and you activate him correctly, this is going to pay for itself the five to $600 million. But if you just look at him as a baseball player and a designated hitter and a pitcher a year from now, then, you know, it's the wrong way to look at it. I would imagine that whatever team signs him is going to sign him to an incentive laden contract. So we know what he is as a hitter. He can play next year as a hitter. If he returns as a pitcher a year from now, there's some incentives on top of it. So is this an eight-year deal? Is it a 10-year deal? I don't know. But the Dodgers are in the mix. The Blue Jays are in the mix. The Cubs are in the mix. I don't know why the Mariners and Giants aren't in the mix, too. They need a face of the franchise type of player. Uh, he would play so well in those markets. He could you know, bring them fans that they don't currently have. Everyone should be all in on Otani, but we'll see who comes to the table with the most number of years and the most money and the situation that fits best for him and his agent. Well, like you said, too, he's a generational player. I mean, he's one you're not going to see in a long time. So this is more than just a, a ball player. He's just a, he's not just a, a guy on the bench. He is he is your franchise. He is, you know, he's world known, too. I mean, that's like, like you said, he's automatically somebody that everybody knows. Like the branding's there for you. You just got to wrap it around it. You got to make it happen because everybody knows who he is. So, yeah, I'm very curious. Coming off an injury, too, I'm curious if that would change the contract. If he was healthy today, could pitch tomorrow, if that makes that $500 million, $700 million, because he can play as a pitcher. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be you – you mentioned some great teams there, big big market teams. So he's going to end up somewhere big, I think, and it's going to be fun to watch him start playing again because he's so fun to watch. And there's always the chance that he does return to the Angels, right? Does Artie Moreno, the Angels owner, just say, you know what? Like I did with Albert Pujols and Mike Trout, I'm, I'm emptying the vault and we're going all in on Otani. Otani knows what the Angels are. He knows Mike Trout. He knows that organization. There's always the chance that he goes back to the Angels. But I think they did a really poor job of marketing him. And if you live in Southern California like I have, the Angels are always going to be second fiddle to the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. The Dodgers are supreme as a baseball brand in Southern California. All right, the last headline of the week. I always talk about the power of the NFL, and we, we give you TV numbers every week, and World Series numbers, NBA Finals numbers. Obviously, the Super Bowl, I think it was 115 million viewers for Chiefs-Eagles earlier in the year. Griggs, Eagles-Niners on Sunday delivered the most watched NFL game of the season on Fox, 27.7 million people tuned in to watch that game. And it was a blowout. I mean, yeah. the Niners blew the Eagles out in Philadelphia and 27.7 million people tuned in. That's more than, you know, several World Series games. It's more than several NBA Finals games. Um, you know, the power of the NFL is just incredible. Um, you know, I would say the NBA is definitely second best when it comes to big TV audiences. And we're going to discuss that with Adam Silver here momentarily. But just another huge number for the NFL this week. Uh, yeah, some marquee, a marquee matchup. Great players there. I mean, I tell you, Christian McCaffrey is just he is so fun to watch. You just can't tackle a guy. He just blew through that line every time he ran the ball. He's just a fun player to watch. So the Niners are on cloud nine right now. But something I was going to bring up too with the NFL. There's a lot of star quarterbacks out for the year. I think there's like eight now. And I think Trevor yeah. Lawrence may be out now. I mean, it's just like 
it's sad to see these huge stars go down. And there's been some bad injuries. There was a lot of injuries on Sunday, too. So that, that's a bummer. But uh, NFL still king, as always. The two highest paid players in the NFL, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, both out for the year. Yeah. So it proves your point. Uh, four of the top seven teams in the AFC are starting a second string quarterback. Yeah. So not a good season for star quarterbacks in the NFL. All right, coming up next, NBA commissioner Adam Silver. Great timing for this conversation with the NBA in-season tournament taking place this weekend in Las Vegas. He's got some other great updates to provide about the league, including what the league is seeking in their next media rights deal. I'm really appreciative that Adam took the time out of his very busy schedule to join us on Sports Business Radio this week. I think he's the best commissioner in all of sports right now, and uh, you're going to enjoy this conversation. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, Brian Berger here from Sports Business Radio. Underdog Fantasy is the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio and the fastest growing fantasy app. Underdog is a variety of daily and season-long fantasy games that you can play. Best Ball Mania has $15 million in pool prize money, and first place wins $3 million. You can play as many entries as you want, and once you draft your team, you sit back and enjoy. No lineup changes needed. An underdog pulls your best performers and gives you those points. You never have to worry about leaving the wrong player on the bench again. Griggs and I will have our teams drafted for the upcoming NFL season, and this is a great way to enjoy all the upside of fantasy football without having to worry about maintaining your lineup each week. For daily fantasy, I love playing Pick'em and Rivals. With Pick'em, if I get five picks right, I can win 20 times my money. It's a fun way to do over-unders on player stats as well as pit players against each other. We've got a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. New users get up to $100 matched on their first deposit when they use the code SBR, like Sports Business Radio. SBR is the code to use. So download the app at underdogfantasy.com or in your app store and then enter the promo code SBR to get up to $100 to play with. Also, make sure to listen to my conversation on Sports Business Radio with Underdog Fantasy founder and co-CEO Jeremy Levine. He shares the unique story of how he founded Underdog Fantasy, and he has great insight into the future of daily fantasy and sports betting. Thanks to Underdog Fantasy for being the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. Commissioner Silver, thanks so much for joining me on Sports Business Radio. It's great to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So this is such an exciting week for the NBA. The in-season tournament, we've got the quarterfinals. The semis and the finals are in Las Vegas. From where you sit, how's this first tournament gone? What's worked well? Where are some areas that could be improved? It's frankly exceeded expectations so far. I recognize we got a week of competition left, so I'm not going to declare victory till we actually crown the first champion of the NBA Cup. But I'm really pleased by the excitement that we're seeing around the league mainly from the players and the coaches, we knew that was going to be the most important litmus test. And that is, were the players going to care? Were the coaches going to care? Were the teams going to get up for these games? And we know that just by watching the competition. But in addition, the fans have responded. Those games are up considerably from similar games last year. Social media chatter has been enormous. 
Um, you know, in terms of things that withholding judgment on, I get it that in terms of the colorful courts that we have our critics out there, I happen to be a big proponent of them, not to say that once we get through this round, this, this iteration of the tournament, we're, we're not opposed to tweaking them going forward. But I like the idea that there's something very visual to signify to fans on television or however they're watching them that these games are different than other games. For the upcoming broadcast on December 7th, the semifinals, I love this. You're doing a crossover with TNT and ESPN. We're going to see Ernie and Kenny and Shaq and Charles joined by Stephen A. Smith and Michael Wilbon. There's also going to be some crossover with the game broadcasts themselves. Whose idea was this? You know, frankly, credit TNT and ESPN. It was theirs. Uh, They came together. The leaders of those organizations are two media partners in the United States. And they said, let's make a big deal about this. I know just from leadership of those organizations, but also the talent. They're all friends. They kind of have fun competition going back and forth. So we love the idea that they're coming together for this. And I think it signifies his sort of big event television as well. All right. Speaking of media partners, NBA Media Rights, I know this is front and center for you as you continue to have these conversations. Ideally, what are you looking for in the next media rights deal? We're, we're looking for a few things. I, I, I'd say number one is reach. It's still very important that we have the ability to talk to our fans and reach our fans directly. And while somebody might say, well, reach, therefore broadcast television, broadcast television is a critical component, but broadcast television isn't reaching large swaths of our fan base anymore. And I'm just talking about the United States right now because for a lot of young fans in particular, broadcast television is, in essence, just another cable or satellite channel. So I think we, we need to find ways using technology, digital technology, streaming technology, so that to the extent there are fans out there that consume media through their phones or tablets or whatever other devices, that all our games become accessible to them. At the same time, it's not lost on us that a large portion of America is still watching games or programming in very traditional ways, broadcast television, cable television. So that's that's similarly important. At the same time, we want to make sure that our games are discoverable, that it's not a maze of broadcast that it requires Googling you know, playoff games to find out where they are. So, and, and I think technology can solve a lot of those problems because even if you're on multiple outlets, you can use potentially the NBA.com or the NBA app you know, as a front door to get into those various services. And then on top of that, I think technological innovation is going to be very important. Um, it's just a, for particularly our young fans, engagement becomes critically important. And whether that's in various forms of gaming, in some cases, that's the gamification of, of basketball. They're fascinated with the statistics. They're focused on particular players. They're focused on the history of of how players have performed in similar situations in the past, or sports betting for that matter. It's not, that's not a business we'll be directly in, but we understand there's a large segment of sports bettors out there, large segment of our fan base that wants to engage. In most cases, it's very small dollars, but it's, a, it's an additional form of engagement. Then we know there's a segment of our fan base that wants to talk to each other. I mean, frankly, the way they do on Twitter or X now or other social media platforms. But there's a discovery issue with those platforms as well. How do you find that NBA community? And what can we do to make that NBA community more accessible so you can find the kinds of content you're interested? And then there's other technological things that we can do 
to customize our broadcasts. Um, of course, there's you want to focus on a particular play or a particular angle, but you may want it in a different language, or it may be that you don't want the traditional play-by-play standard broadcast that we all grew up on. Instead, you want to hear from a social media commentator, or you want to hear from somebody who's a casual fan, or you want to hear from an expert who's explaining the game to you in a different way. I, I think there's just a world of opportunity when it comes to personalization and customization. So it's it's a lot of things we're looking for, but I'll, I'll just end by saying it's amazing what Disney slash ESPN, ABC are doing right now. They're, of course, very focused on next generation technology. Same with Warner Brothers Discovery through TNT, through Bleacher Report, through other outlets, through, through Max. You know, they're looking at all those same things. So I'm very encouraged by what, I'm, by what we're hearing from our current partners. Would the NBA ever consider equity in a media partner or a streaming service? I know there's been those conversations out there as well. Short answer is sure. I mean, I, I think everything's on the table. Um, we're open to being creative in terms of how we structure a deal. It's likely that it'll be long-term partnerships. And so to the extent that we are incentivized to grow those services, um, with those partners, if, if they see that as something that makes sense, um, we're not adverse at all to having an ownership position. Other than media rights, what are the issues and deals keeping you up at night right now? Boy, everything keeps me up at <laughs> night. I'm, I'm, I'm a nervous guy, but I, I, I think international growth is something that I'm always thinking a lot about, and both for the NBA and for the game. And it's it's a recognition that Nothing is preordained. And that as popular as this game is, that consumers, not just the United States, but when fans globally are consuming media in different ways, in many cases, they're not as physically active as a younger generation was. So it's important to us that we keep young people, boys and girls, playing the game of basketball, that we keep them engaged with live games, that that becomes an important tradition for them. Again, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily consuming games in the same way as maybe I did when I was younger in a very passive way, that there's ways to personalize and customize and become directly engaged in the games. But I think it's important that the live game experience um, be meaningful to them. In addition, we need to take an active role in developing elite players. I mean, what I've seen, I'll just, you know, two contrasts. You have China, where we're the number one sport in terms of popularity, you know, a population of 1.3 billion people and no Chinese players in the NBA right now. And that's not because top-notch Chinese players aren't leaving the country to play in the NBA. It's because at that level, there aren't Chinese players that can compete right now in the NBA. But then look at a market like Australia with 25 million people. Because of the development system they have there, we have 13 Australian players in the NBA. So I think we need in a hands-on way to work um, with, whether it's, you know, with sports organizations, other leagues, our federation, FIBA, to help develop that pipeline of players. Because I, it, it's not about genetics, it's about development. And, and you clearly see, and, you know, I could also mention Slovenia or Serbia, with great sports cultures and traditions, very small countries that produce NBA players. Again, Australia, a great academy system, a great national team system. And I think that, the, I also think this is just important for well-being of people everywhere. It's not just about basketball. 
getting young people to be actively involved in sports. I think, uh, you know, I, I have a bias towards team sports, whatever that team sport is. I think you learn how to be a productive member of society, how to work with other people, how to subjugate sort of yourself at times for the greater good. You learn that in business as well. You learn leadership. And on top of that, just, about, you know, what we teach now in our NBA and WNBA programs, it's about nutrition and the importance of sleep, um, about important values. So anyway, I, I, I spend a lot of my time thinking about holistically, how can we develop sports? How can we develop basketball and the NBA on a global basis? I want to ask you about two specific ownership situations. It's been in the news in the last week. Mark Cuban reportedly selling a majority stake in the Dallas Mavericks. He would remain as governor. Can you give us any clarity on that situation? On, on the Dallas situation, it, as, as has been reported, you know, Mark has made a decision to sell what appears to be control of the Dallas Mavericks um, to, you know, to essentially to two families. Um, and he has indicated his desire to remain um, involved with the team, which I think is great news. I mean, if it, at some point, I'm sure if that deal actually hap- get closes, we'll be talking about what Mark has accomplished and the changes he's brought to bear over the league over close to 25 years or maybe a few years less. But it's been quite remarkable. I mean, he's pushed hard. Um, I know you're close to David Stern. <laughs> you know, it, it, you know, he and David had conflict occasionally, <laughs> but I think David certainly recognized that it was ultimately very additive to the league. It helps to be pushed by, you know, activist um, governors who want to see the game improve, want to be innovators and try new things. I've had a great relationship with Mark over the years and, and enormous credit to him, you know, for, for pushing us into the modern era, came in very much as a technologist. So as I said, with, with that overall deal, I, I accept whatever Mark feels ultimately is in his best interest, but I'm encouraged by the fact that early indications are that he would remain involved. Yeah, I love Mark. He's been on this show. I think the NBA is better with him involved. So um, nothing but good things to say about him. Adam, I'm based in Portland. I used to work for the Trailblazers. Paul Allen died in 2018. His estate owns the team. A lot of people in Portland, they haven't heard anything from Jody Allen in five years. And they're going, what's going on with our team here is an ownership group going to buy it at some point? Um, what's going on with Portland? Do you have any clue as to when there may be an ownership change or someone with a vision could take over the franchise? I, I have no better sense of a precise timing there. I think Paul's directives are clear. His estate, you know, led by Jody, Allen as the trustee are con- currently in control of the team. I think in fairness to Jody and the basketball people around her, they very much have a vision for building this team and whether they were controlling it for five more years or 10 more years, I think the team is on the right path to developing. And so, you know, some some necessary rebuilding, we've seen that in a lot of organizations around the league, but I'm still very optimistic about the future of the Trailblazers. All right, before I let you go, um, as you mentioned, our, our mutual friend and mentor to me, I know a mentor to you, David Stern, what was some of the lessons that that he taught you as you worked with him that help you today? It, it it's tough to condense it. Sure, yeah. A couple of lessons, just because Brian, as you know, I worked directly for David Stern in five different jobs for twenty one years or so, and 
I tell sometimes the younger people here, when I started working for David, it was essentially pre-cell phone, pre-internet. And so we were together every day, all day, from early in the day to late in the day, and we traveled together. I, I started as his assistant, as you know. So there's so much I learned from him. I mean, if I had to condense it into a few nuggets, I'd say, you know, execution in detail was something he was fond of saying. And by that, he meant um, focus on every little detail of everything we do. Um, no issue was too small for David. I mean, it, you could argue that at some point that doesn't scale, that you also at the same time need to delegate when appropriate. But to the extent he was involved, you know, whether he thought the music was too loud at the party or the buffet line was too long <laughs> or that somebody hadn't thought through where exactly we were giving someone tickets in the arena or who they were sitting next to, whether they would think that was important. Um, those are the kinds of things he focused on. But then, so it was detail, but at the same time, he was clearly a big picture guy. And I think there's, there's nothing that's happened in my, it's been nine years as commissioner now, that wasn't also on the table when he was here, whether it's the play-in tournament that we put in place three years ago, whether it's the in-season tournament that we're talking about now. All those concepts were tossed around um, when David was commissioner. And I'd say in essence, maybe the right word is I've inherited all of that as the current commissioner. So everything that this league does now stands on David's shoulders. And, and, and just like I think the great players in the league would say today that without the great players that came before them. So, you know, he was a true visionary. And even my answer to your prior question about what I lose sleep over, I mean, he was very focused on technology and how that could change the game. And certainly David's global vision, you know, beginning in 1992 in Barcelona with the Dream Team and David's earlier forays into China and bringing NBA games there to making us truly a global game. I feel in many ways I'm, I'm just executing on his vision now. So I, 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 again, I think, and I think about things he said to me and to others all the time. It's always sort of in the back of my head in, in virtually everything I do. I'm sure I'm not the first one to suggest this, and I'm sure you've thought about it too, but it'd be really cool if the in-season tournament became the David Stern Cup at some point. You know, honestly, I've thought a lot about that and I've said it out loud, and this is where it's a bit of a conflict at the league. David was... Um, so important to the history of this league and, and in some ways to the future of this league that some people suggested that's not even big enough. Right. Because that, I, I would do that in a second. And I, I just want to make sure I'm doing justice to David's legacy. And it's something, you know, as you know, David passed literally right before the pandemic came. And so we were all diverted to focusing on that. And I now we're turning our attention back to what is the appropriate tribute to David. But I, I think it would be a no brainer in terms of something around the in season. I honestly, I'm just not sure if that's big enough. Yeah. Well, look, you're coming up on your 10 year anniversary as NBA commissioner. You have done many innovative things. Congratulations to you. I know the NBA just had their best November attendance in the history of the league. You know, you've gotten this in-season tournament off the ground. You're doing lots of global expansion. Congratulations to you. Yeah, thank you, Brian, and thanks for having me. Thanks, Commissioner Silver. 5G is here. Is your stadium ready? 
From an immersive fan experience to efficient game day operations, 5G is transforming sports and entertainment. If you're ready to jumpstart your 5G transformation, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is one of the largest operators of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. They provide stadiums and arenas with state-of-the-art 5G networks and support teams across the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, and NCAA. I'm constantly interacting with sports executives, and the reason they love working with Boingo is because Boingo manages 5G and Wi-Fi networks end-to-end, offloading very stretched IT teams. Whether your stadium is looking to support mobile ticketing, cashless payment, or connected operations, Boingo has you covered. But don't just take it from me. Their customers include world-class venues like Soldier Field, State Farm Arena, Petco Park, and University of Louisville. Boingo in 5G. Now that's what I call a win-win. For a limited time, Boingo has a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. They're offering a free 5G assessment for your stadium or arena. To get started, simply email sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks to the Sports Business Radio team, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Ryan Nakajima, and Nicole Wardle. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.